Father, we love you this morning, and we choose just to turn our eyes to you and just declare, God, that you are worthy of our praise. Father, we thank you for this time together, God, that we can just be in your presence. And God, we just thank you for the sweetness of your presence. And God, for just always being there when we call. God, we love you so much. God, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. God, we love you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We had another good pastor's conference. We had the largest attendance we've had. There was 102 pastors that came. Um, Kevin, Steve, and, and uh, myself, we taught on the Sermon on the Mount and uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And Susan taught them on how to grieve and how to go back to their churches and help their people grieve. And she also taught on, on the very last thing, how to love their wives and uh, it was well received. Uh, one of the differences uh, this time, besides having uh, about 25 or 30 more pastors there, was we had some pastors from the mountains. And uh, a couple of the pastors that we've been teaching for the last several years, they've been getting on their little motorcycle and going up in the mountains and sharing the gospel. And in the mountains, really close to the Laotian border, um, they're obviously from the bits and pieces that we could we could uh, hear and understand from their conversations through Kyle to us is that there's really a movement of the Lord in the mountains. And these are people that live very primitively, even by comparison to the rest of the people in Cambodia. Um, they uh, probably live like life was lived several hundred years ago or at least several decades ago. And there's just an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You wonder how in the world can that be in a country that's 99.9% Buddhist? And that's all they would know. But uh, somehow or another, God just is able to work. You know, for the longest time, I know that uh, there's always been a difficulty in explaining to people, what about those who have never heard of the gospel? What is, what is that going to happen on Judgment Day? How does that look? And of course, we give them the Bible answers, you know, the general revelation from Romans. There's no excuse because of the creation they've seen. But, you know, my encounter in, in Cambodia is, is taught me a, a lesson. There's far less of that going on than we realize. 
And uh, in the Western mind, the Western church, you know, we have, an, we have kind of a, an arrogance about us that unless we're doing it, it's not getting done. And, and that is just not the truth. And somehow or another, the Holy Spirit speaks to someone somewhere and they are rescued from their sin and they find forgiveness in Jesus. And it is just a natural desire to want to tell others. And before you know it, Jesus is at work and that's going on in Cambodia. Uh, there were young men at the conference this year, more so than ever before. And I think there was around 10 men or so that I would say are 20 years uh, or younger. We had one 17-year-old teenager that was there with his dad, but there was a lot of real young guys that are there that are just soaking it up. And when you look at that, you see that you have got some of the older pastors that have been just slaying it for a long time and enduring and persevering. And then God is just raising up some young men that are going to carry the torch to reach people there in uh, Cambodia. I think there's no question that the pastors are really embracing Kyle and Amy in the ministry that's still going on. Already you can see it enlarging. Uh, Kyle is being invited to go to many different places and preach and teach. And, and, and it's just really neat to see it happening. Uh, Susan and I went a couple of days early so we could spend some time with Kyle and Amy and kind of get their pulse. And they live in a nice little uh, area that uh, uh, they're already making inroads of people there. There's already been two or three salvations among their neighbors. Uh, they have a little four-story apartment, I guess we would call it, the typical Cambodian way in, in, in Phnom Penh. And the bottom floor is where people normally have their little business, whatever kind of business they have. And then there's a second and third floor where they live and have uh, four bedrooms and, and two bathrooms in there. And then on the top is they just have a, you know, they put their porches on top of the house. And uh, they're, they're making inroads there. One of the real limitations they have, of course, is transportation. And Kyle has got his driver's license, and, uh, but uh, not a car yet. And so it looks like this week or next week, they're gonna get him a motorcycle to drive around. And uh, so pray for that to happen and happen well. Pray for the other Cambodians on the road with <laughs> them on a motorcycle over there. But that's really taking place. Um, so also be in prayer for transportation into the other areas to go up to Batabong and Kapatom and other places they go. And then they're planning a visit to go and meet with those pastors that are up there in the mountains. So we have nothing but, but good things to report from what's taking place with Kyle and Amy there. Obviously there's some real adjustments being made and, and, and they're going through that and, and uh, um, but all is going well. I just wanna share with you from the book of Matthew today in chapter six, Jesus teaches about money and possessions and he spoke to them about don't store up your treasure here on earth. It's not a good place to, to, to store treasure. And he says, store your treasures in heaven. And so he's talking about our relationship with things and our relationship with money. And he says, we can't serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or love one and hate the other. And so we really need to understand 
that if we do not serve God, but yet we are enslaved to money, worry is going to be a problem for us. If, if stuff is more than life, and if it's stuff that drives us, stuff that moves us, if it's stuff that we live for and under, then we are going to worry because we're gonna spend all our time trying to get more stuff and trying to hold on to the stuff that we have. That's why Jesus says here in verse 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. And then he asked the question, isn't life more than food? Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And, and so what Jesus is telling us there is life is more than stuff. Now, we've been deceived, we being this society. We have been deceived into believing that if you don't have as much stuff as other people, then you don't have life. Or if you're not accumulating more stuff, and if stuff is not, you know, that priority in your life, then you're, you're outside the norm. And Jesus tells us that right here now, we need to reconsider our relationship with things. We need to reconsider our relationship with money, our relationship with the possessions that we have right now. Isn't life more than stuff? And so that's the beginning thing. That's the thing that breaks us free from the control that worry would have over us. Perhaps we got to rethink. We got to relearn. We got to redetermine. We've got to define our relationship with things. Are things going to hold on to us? Are things going to move us and drive us? Is that going to be the predicator of how things are going to be for us? Or are we going to live free from stuff? From stuff. The donation fair is one opportunity to get rid of stuff. Just get rid of stuff. You know, if you have if you don't need something, if you haven't looked for something, if you don't, if you don't even know where something is, most likely you need to get rid of that stuff. We don't need to hold on to it. Begin with that understanding. Life is more than stuff. The second thing is we need to know our value. That's a hard thing today. We we struggle with that. And Jesus says the second thing about understanding, living free of that burden of worry is understand your value, your value to God. Verse 26, look at the birds. Look at the birds. That's, that's quite a real theological uh, statement he makes there, isn't it? I wonder how the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were in earshot of Jesus teaching disciples among the crowd thought about that. What in the world? What kind of rabbi, what kind of religious teacher says, look at the birds? What Jesus did, Jesus says, look at the birds and think about the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. No bird has gone down to Mueller's reply and ordered a bigger barn. That's what Jesus is saying. So, well, that's foolish, but that's what Jesus is saying. No bird is, is using a plow and getting the ground ready for the crop. No bird is working the fields. They're not doing it. 
They're just being provided for. And Jesus says, if you're going to live free of worry, you need to look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he says, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Look at the birds. You ever seen a bird stand, you know, be on the, the, the electric line, the phone line, and he's up there and he says to his buddy, I just don't think there's going to be enough food this winter. I don't know. We need to conserve energy. We need to stay on this line. We don't need to fly around much. The crop's not going to come in. I, I, I don't think birds worry a lot. Now, how do I know that? I don't know that. I'm just saying that the scripture here says that the father values us more than the birds and the birds are cared for. They're cared for. And, and that's the mindset that God wants us to have. We are of more value than the birds are so we can be free of the control of worry because we are valuable to him. And if he's feeding the birds, he's going to feed us. The third thing he wants us to understand, and this is also a very practical thing, in verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Think about that for a second. That's very simple, isn't it? What worrying has ever added to your life? Anybody gotten things better because you spent all day worrying? No, worry does not add to our life. And Jesus says that's what you need to understand. First of all, you understand that it's not about stuff. The second thing is you need to know that you're more valued than the birds. Look at how I take care of the birds. Look at the birds, for God's sakes. And then he says, has worry helped anyone? Well, when we read about what worry does to us, we know about high blood pressure. We know, we, we, we know about uh, uh, anxiety, what it accomplishes in us. We know about worrying about things that have never happened and how that controls our day, how it impacts our joy, how it robs us of our peace, and, and, and how if we just sit around and worry all the time, we, we're, we're just depleted of energy every single day. Worry does not add to anyone's life. It is not a good thing to worry. It is not practical to worry. God does not want us sitting around worrying. He wants us to believe and trust him. Now, from God's perspective, can you imagine what it's like for God to take care of all the birds, to meet their needs, to make sure they got plenty of food and plenty of water? He's taking care of them, and, and he says, I want you to know I value you, human beings, more than the birds, but the birds don't worry about life. And here we are just absolutely handicapped and just burdened down with worry. Can you imagine how that is for God? Why won't my people know? Why don't they realize that I am here? Why do they spend so much needless energy worrying? Can worry add anything to your life? And the answer, of course, is no. And then he goes a little further and he says, okay, now, Jesus says, if they're not going to get it about the birds, maybe they'll get it about the lilies of the field. In verse 28, he says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. 
and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And then he says there in verse 30, Jesus says, And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Consider the lilies. Consider the grass. Consider the wildflowers. There, these experts or flower people are saying that we're about to have one of the largest crops of blue bonnets we've ever had. I haven't seen any yet, maybe you have, but here in April, in, in May, the blue bonnet is supposed to really just take shape. Now, isn't it amazing that some years there's not very many of them? but they're still there. And I don't understand how God protects that seed and how he does it, but I, I do understand that no people, no scientists, no agricultural people have the ability to make any flower bloom. They can't do it. It's the work of God. And it's an amazing thing to me that, that we'll stand and we'll take pictures out there that rattlesnake infested blue bonnet patch, but <laughs> I, was, I would see people walking their girls and kids out there and said, man, them rattlesnakes love those blue bonnet patches. What are y'all doing? But it's so beautiful. Well, all right, y'all. Hope it works out well for you. Just roll the dice and see how it works. But uh, it's amazing to me how God just somehow or another accomplishes the birth of blue bonnets or any wildflowers. They just come to life. You can go through a desert and there's nothing and it rains and then two or three days after it rains, the colors are unbelievable. Vibrant yellows, pinks, blues, they just come up from nowhere. It's as if God was saying, I'm here all the time. It's my world. It's what I do. And, and, you need to look at what I do in the world and, and apply that to your own world. Don't be worried about the blue bonnets. I've got them. Don't be worried about the lilies. They're going to bloom. It's going to happen. I make that happen. Don't worry about the birds. I take care of the birds. They're my responsibility and your needs is my responsibility. That's what God says. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your clothing. Don't worry about your stuff. Don't be burdened down with it. It's in my hands. And Jesus says, why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith? In verse 31, he says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. We're to be different. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. We're not to live that way. Jesus is telling us, don't live dominated with worry. 
Live according to what God has for you. Live by faith. Live with trust. Trust him to meet your needs. And then Jesus gives what might be the most important piece of information in verse 33. And, and it's even more than what he actually says here. It's, it's what he says here, how we apply it and the benefit it makes to us. Applying the spiritual power of transfer. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Now, if you're controlled by stuff, you're seeking the kingdom of the world. If your goal in life is to have more, to have bigger, to have better, you're seeking the things of the world. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, it doesn't say want. It says everything you need. He'll provide the food, the water, and the shelter for you. It may not be the kind of shelter that you dream for or you want, but, but that's not the promise he's making to us. If we will be faithful to him, if we will do what he's asked us to do, and if we will seek him above all else, and if we will live righteously, Jesus promises that we will meet our need that we have. It's the power of transfer. If you think about it, it's a wonderful thing that Jesus is saying here. He's saying, just don't sit around and fight not worrying. Just don't sit around and fight not worrying. Think about it this way. If there's a big chocolate cake sitting on your kitchen table and your goal in life is not to eat a piece of that chocolate cake, you're gonna spend all day long walking by that chocolate cake. And you're gonna say, don't eat it, don't eat it, don't eat it. It's not any good. It doesn't look good. You walk by and look and it's just kind of speaking to you. It's shining, that chocolate ice and starts sparking a little bit. And you're saying, oh, I remember when I used to have some chocolate cake. Don't eat it, I gotta fight it, I can't eat it, I can't eat it, I'm not gonna eat it. And you spend all day fighting, not taking a bite of that chocolate cake. What are you gonna do? You're gonna have a piece of that chocolate cake. And if all you do is fight not worrying, you're going to worry. And so what do you do? You replace it with something that God has said to replace with. We replace it with faith. We replace it with seeking God. I don't have time to eat that chocolate cake. I need to seek God and his righteousness. I need to live by faith and trust, and, and it's transfer. We transfer our, our wants for him, for him, and we replace it. It's just like saying no to temptation. If you don't replace that fight to say no to temptation with something from the Lord, you're gonna fall to that temptation. But that power of transfer, you know, when people say, I just can't not do whatever that thing is, if they will find out what they can do in place of that honors God, they'll be able to walk free of that. They'll be able to walk free of that. And the very last thing he says here, he summarized it. It's, 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 it's the last practical thing, and it's something that we absolutely have to do. We've got to let... Tomorrow be. 
If you're just worn out with worry, worn out with how you're going to do this and do that, worried about your kids, worried about these people, worried about what these people think of you, worried about how this is going to work out and all those things, and, and you're just consumed with worry. Worry dominates your life. Belief doesn't dominate your life, but worry dominates your life. If you're worrying about tomorrow, you're going to be eat from the inside out. Jesus says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus knows that we are wired, that we can just take care of one thing at a time. It is not healthy to live way out there in the future. It is not healthy to sit around and think about how things are going to be tomorrow. We can't handle the things of tomorrow. We are just designed to handle the things of today. And you need to let worry be. I need to let tomorrow be. We'll deal with that tomorrow. We'll make this plan, this plan, but, but the actual putting our hands on it, that's tomorrow. Today, I got to deal with today. There's been songs about that heading there. One day at a time. Just live one day at a time. And so Jesus gives us a wonderful outline of how to live free of worry. Understand life is more than stuff. Know how valuable you are to God. Man, you need to sit down and think about that a while and accept that by faith and believe that. Don't go by how you feel. Don't go by what makes sense to you. Don't sit around and let your past get the best of you and say, I'm not valuable to God because I've committed this sin, I've committed action. You need to come back and you say, I'm just going to believe what God says about me. And the word of God says, I am valuable to God. And, and, and write down in big, bold letters, worry adds nothing to life. It does me no good to worry. Write it down. Put it on your, your bathroom uh, mirror and look at it every day. Worry adds nothing. Consider the lilies. Consider the blue bonnets this time of year. Look at them every single day. Open the door and look at the blue bonnets, not your car door, your front door. You know, look as you're driving down the road, look at the blue bonnets and consider God's masterpiece. Consider what God has done to make that happen. Consider how much effort God puts into every year to make us be blessed with wildflowers. Consider that. It just doesn't happen. There is that, that great creational design of God that makes all that take place. He gives us spring to remind us that he has, he's the creator and the giver of new life. And if God gives us new life and he's a creator and, and, and he puts things in dormant and brings it back to life again, he's screaming out to us, I am here. Believe me, trust me, I care for you. This is what I'm capable of doing. And if I'm capable of doing this with blue bonnets and I care for you far more than I do the birds and the wildflowers and the blue bonnets, can you imagine what it would be like for you to just 
believe in me and to trust in me. I will do beautiful things with you as well. That's what Jesus is saying here. God already knows what we need. He knows what we need. Transfer from doubt to faith, from worry to belief. Go from being a warrior to a warrior for God. And let tomorrow be. So if you're a warrior, take these principles, write them down, and, and just every single day operate with these things in place. And when you fail and you go back to worrying, get right back on the program. So we'll honor God. We will bring glory to him when we live differently than all the unbelievers. And that means living by faith rather than being controlled by worry. I hope the Lord used that message for you today and the Spirit will speak. Lord, may you do what only you can do. Father, we are faith, grateful and faithful to you, Lord. We're, we just thank you, God, for all you have accomplished and are accomplishing. And, and I pray, Lord, that we will look around as your word tells us to do. And Lord, that where there's worry that's out of control, it will be replaced with trusting and believing in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forth.